FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 375 of the podcast, it goes Snick. Snicked Nights. <laughs> I'm your host, Jason, and I have exactly one half of the Scout Bros with me. Hey, Georgie. Hey. Ooh, is that a beer? <laughs> sounded like one. What are you drinking over there? I am drinking a St. Archer Blonde Ale. Oh. Um, and I've been I've been, had a couple, so I'm actually going to pour it into some ginger ale. Okay. Um, it's called a Shandy Gaff. Uh, I totally recommend it. It's uh, when you, you think it's going to be a long day, you just mix it with a little ginger ale. It's, it's a tasty little treat. Nice. Sounds good. Suddenly, my coffee feels very bland. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really doing the foley work tonight. <laughs> Did I just pour uh, a cup, or am I in the bathroom? You know, who knows? <laughs> right. That's me walking walking across the room. Um, <laughs> anyway, we got some uh, Dawn of X books to talk about. Yay! Uh, lots of Dawn in. Yeah, lots of Dawn. We've been reading these Dawn of X books, and we still haven't even met Dawn yet. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, when does it become the afternoon of X? That's what I want to know. <laughs> just a brunch of X. And it's right. just like all, all the... All the uh, the married women get together for like brunch with mimosas and just right. Yeah, I want that book. <laughs> oh well, I mean, that's kind of what Marauders is about, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So unfortunately, um, mostly due to my fault, uh, was not able to get Dan and Georgie together. But we got Georgie, and we'll get Dan back soon. Um, and it's not your fault. Let's be clear. It's your kid's fault. Let's put the yes. blame where it belongs. Yes. Where it belongs, right. It's my progeny. Is that, that how you say that word? I think so. Yep. 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 <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I did get a really uh, kind of eye of the tiger soccer picture of Ollie today. He was, uh, he was, um, he was into it. <laughs> oh, that was an awesome picture. I love that. Super adorable. Yeah. But I was thinking... Do you guys live in like a wasteland? Because it was just like a dead grass and dirt. <laughs> it well, looked it like is, Mad Max. February. <laughs> yeah, I think the actual fields would be nicer. That was just where they practiced at a school. Oh, okay. okay it was good. like the school. Uh, well, I guess the, the field next to the parking lot. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, totally Mad Max. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But it was super adorable. I love that picture. Yeah, I'll have to um, I'll have to tweet it out later so people can know what we're talking about after I put the episode up. But um, yeah, we got a we got a a, a, sh- a little short stack of comics to talk through tonight. Um, got a couple issues of Marauders, a couple issues of X Men, um, some Fantastic Four, and one Excalibur. So, and I'll. 
We'll find you the Excalibur pretty quick. I don't want to step on the Excalibur toes too much there. Um, I mean, the less we have to talk about that book, probably the better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've gotten rid of X-Force and Fallen Angels, so by default, Excalibur, yeah. unless it's New Mutants written by Brisson, Excalibur is the uh, the redheaded stepchild of these books. Yeah, and we're totally skipping those, too. So, <laughs> and hey, now everybody gets to skip Fallen Angels. <laughs> Thank goodness. In fact, well, we'll save we'll save the uh, the uh, Dawn of X. Just ignoring that book when we get to X Men number five. But um, <laughs> we're going to start off oh, with right. Marauders right. number six. <laughs> yes. So Marauders number six, pay your dues or a time to reap. I never know which one is the title, but um, one of those is. And Georgie is going to talk us through that one. I am. We have uh, writers uh, Jerry Duggan. We have artist Matteo Loli and Mario Del Penino. Color artist Eric Arciniega and Federico Blee. Letter of VCs Corey Pettit. And a cover by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. Um, and these co- covers are tend to be pretty awesome. When, you know, and any any Dodderman you can get is generally going to be like an eight or above. Right. Uh, this is, I, I like the cover. It's uh, it's it's Kate and Bishop uh, fighting the executioner with um, sort of in in the silhouette of uh, what's this guy's name? The hate monger. We have the hate monger. Um, so it's I, I like that part. I'm not sure how I feel about the the outline outside of him being sort of like a bland black, but uh, I like the idea of of the action like intercut with the silhouette. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I, I... It kind of almost looks like it makes uh, the executioner look like an eagle or like a, a bird of prey or oh, something. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, but I enjoy it. Hey, is that – so I didn't realize So they started saying his name in this issue. Is the executioner – is that the guy from X-Men Gold? I had the same thought this morning. I was like, oh, it's the dude who stormed the mansion. The was Punisher able to take X, out, right? Yeah. He took out all the guys with, like, one Uzi. <laughs> like, he yeah. defeated all the X-Men with one Uzi. He got a uh... – you got a pretty significant costume change, if so. I'm going to look him up real fast. Let's see. Uh, X- uh, for the better, I think. This is a better costume. Executioner. X-Kushner. Um, not Executioner's song. No, no, no. Not that. Oh, no. Different guy, I think. Um, well, or maybe, maybe he's going back to an old costume. Let's see here. No, yeah, different guy. This is, uh, he's had this kind of cloaky costume. For, who is, what is this from? During his time under the new sun, he found he was becoming as evil as those he hunted and ended his time as the executioner. Well, I guess he, he picked it back up. Yeah. <laughs> Mutants uh, are back. Oh, time to get hating, you know? <laughs> oh, he is from Uncanny X-Men Annual 17. Okay. Yeah, so different guy, not Punisher X. Well, yeah. anyway. Well, uh, how, how sure. different is he really? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't because right. they have boarded the Marauder ship uh, and they're attacking. Uh, unfortunately, in uh, issue six, Iceman got taken out with like one surprise punch, which is really disappointing. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the characterization of Bobby in this book. It's been fun and like. It, it felt they didn't ignore any of like the queer elements to it, 
But uh, as, as far as powers go, this, that's a little bit disappointing. Anyway, he's taken out. But Kate is there to rescue him and pulls him down below. Uh, she leaves her uh, baby dragon to take care of him. And she goes back on on the deck to take out these two villains. And she does a pretty... like This is some fun action, right? She yeah. basically takes out everyone. Um, she goes to face through a sword, but she doesn't realize that Pyro is standing right behind her. So he gets pricked a little bit with... Uh, the sword here it's kind of a surprise a good like you you thought everything was cool and then oh he got poked and i was like oh man is he is he injured that was a, it was like a good surprise um and then you find out that uh within that sword were like uh was yellow jacket and like um you ever see the movie inner space yeah 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 pyro just got interspaced and uh <laughs> yellow jacket is hiding inside of pyro and he's been hired by the the kid hellfire gang so that's going on. Uh, meanwhile, Kate is fighting, and she jumps into the other ship to take on our, our lovely uh, Pierce, who used to be... What was his last name? Uh, Donald Pierce. Donald uh, Pierce. He was the Pierce leader of the Reavers for a while. Yeah. Right, the Reavers. And was member of the uh, Hellfire Club, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at one point, yeah. Yeah, originally. So uh, he's over there along with that... Uh, Woman who was keeping her husband in like a secret prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, Chinese so ambassador. They're there. They're like, "Hey, you can't fight us." Imaginable, right? Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, "You can't fight us. We have diplomatic immunity." And Kate's like, "Screw you guys. You just like tried to kill us. I'm gonna punch you." And she punches him, and they throw Pierce into the into the ocean, and it's fun. And I really like the artwork, and the characterization is great. Like. If we're gonna, I'd, I don't want to prematurely rank books, but if X Men and New Mutants, when written by Hickman, are like the the A the A books, this is like a an, a B plus A minus yeah. book. It's like very yeah, consistently definitely. done and keeps the humor. The artwork is is generally um, above average. Like this is great. We even get like a little. Uh, interstitial where we have like Yellow Jacket's um, diary, which is actually quite funny about him being inside of Pierce and or inside of uh, Pyro and hearing him talk. It's it's quite good. And just when we think the crisis has been averted, uh, guess who shows up? Sebastian Shaw to betray Kitty, and she he like traps her with some magical vines and then uh, throws her dragon in a net, throws her into the water. And uh, sinks her ship, and she goes down with the ship, and um, she's upset. And Sebastian Shaw's like, "Finally, I'm I'm at peace." And uh, that was uh, episode six or issue six. What what did you think of this one? Um, I you know enjoyed it overall. I, I'm still enjoying like kind of the uh, the Hellfire Club like dynamic and how they're all kind of trying to be bastards to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the plan of putting Yellow Jacket inside. Someone, and I think it's funny that it ended up being Pyro and kind of randomly. I did really enjoy the part where they're like, oh, he's just kind of chilling and watching Rick and Morty. Are we, are yeah. we sure these, are we sure these guys are evil? Because they're just kind of like normal having fun. Um, some of the art highlights, I thought Kitty jumping from like the stern or I guess the bow, sorry, of one ship and like phasing into the lower cabin of the other ship, I thought was great. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the part two that was right out of X Men First Class, where uh, Bishop like absorbs a grenade on a boat 
That's why Sebastian Shaw did with Kevin Bacon. All right. Like kind of, he kind of like holds it in his fist and then like shoots it back out. Like that was very like X Men First Class. Um, the only thing you can kind of tell where the art changed from Lolly to the other guy. Um, what was his name again? Uh, Del Panino. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite as crisp um, as Lolly's art, but um, right. but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Um. It didn't feel like out of place, right? It wasn't no, like a no, stark no, no. contrast. It, right. it kind of worked together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, the difference was really pretty subtle, which I thought was pretty remarkable. Because mm-hmm. it was also, um, well, I guess I guess the pencil was both inked themselves. There's no no inking credits at all. So, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. They were able to keep it very, very visually consistent. Um but yeah, no, I, I I'm enjoying the the dynamic of the book. Um, you know, definitely enjoying seeing uh, Kenny Pride in this role, and you know, the the bad guys are the, at least at least the are racist bad guys. are kind of meh, whatever. But um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I uh, I don't want to be like a nitpicky in a way that's like not about the themes of the character of the book. But uh, I, I wonder if I missed, like when she's getting wrapped up by like that plant, is there a reason she can't phase through it? I, you know, I don't know. Let's see. Cause, Cause he says something very much. Cause she's like trying to figure out why she can't. The only thing he, Shaw really says is like, the same, because he makes a comparison like, you can't go through the gate, so you can't get away from this plant or something, doesn't that? Okay. Where he said, or is that right. the next issue where he says that? Right, no, no, that was this issue. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, uh, it, it feels a little bit like a cheat. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, you know, I mean, if it puts Kitty in danger and it makes us think that she's drowned and mm-hmm. possibly going to die if you look at some of the upcoming covers. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. How would you feel? I'm not saying this is... This character is going to come because they hinted at him joining eventually uh, during the uh, uh, the opening salvo. But how would you feel about Namor rescuing her? One, would it feel like taking away her agency? And two, do you think like it would be too early? Um, hmm. I'd like to see her get out of it herself, but <laughs> it is a good opportunity to slide Namor into the story, which I am always in favor of. Right. <laughs> any any Namor appearance is, is a good appearance by me. Um, <laughs> in my book, it's like Namor and Doctor Doom, who spoilers we'll get to a little bit later this issue. Um, really, any any time I can see them in their arrogant glory i'm pretty much okay um, right, right so i mean i guess it depends um i don't think it's gonna happen but i was just kind of curious yeah it'd be interesting but all right well what do you want to give marauders number six i think i'll give it a five out of six i think yeah. it was like really really good comics yeah yep five out of six sounds about right 
Um, let's see what uh, what did Dan say about Marauders. He said Marauders was strong, the plot was fun, and the stakes seemed high. Although Iceman being decked by just one dude was annoying, love the first issue art. Yeah. 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 I guess we'll uh, we'll maybe re- refer to the difference when we get to number seven in, in a couple of minutes. But um. Sure. Yeah. All right. Very good. Totally. Um. All right, X-Men number five is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Yay R.B. Silva, uh, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Mueller, um, and cover art by Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go. Um, I think this may be my favorite cover of the five issues so far. We have a really rad-looking storm and armor in the sky and just lightning all around. I think it's a pretty good cover. What do you think? Yeah, I love this. This is great. Yeah. I, I like it quite a bit. Um, okay. I'm very, very excited to see Silva and Gracia, um, you know, our, from our Hawks Fox era back on, on the X book. Right. I'm, and there's a couple of things I really love about this book. I'm going to have a hard time synopsizing because I'm not, hundred percent sure what happens, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when we start off with this really cool page, you like these three black panels, and then the Cyclops like looking over his shoulder, and he's like, "What have I done?" Then we kind of like go backwards, and we go to Ecuador, and we see this creature, the Serafina. Uh, that that's the that's the one that Scott, Rachel, and Kid Cable found in that field, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or they they helped her escape from somewhere. Right, right. And so she's running around Ecuador and she's like, help save me from the bad man. And then the bad man on her trail is Wolverine. Uh, looking great. I love that panel of him and like the kind of the faded out like vegetation in the background. It looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, but Seraphina, I guess, is able to control people or something. So these like... Uh, Ecuadorian farmers are going to try to fight Wolverine. I love the restraint that Wolverine shows. Like, you know, no claws, right? He just kind of he punches one guy, throws him to the side. You have a panel where he throws a guy in a sheep. A sheep goes flying through the air. That looks pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and he's trying to track down the Serafina girl, and but she escapes into this... Well, it's the vault. But... So... Before we get there, can we just talk about, <clears throat> since the Wolverine-themed podcast, yeah. how so many times they don't treat him like he has any idea on how to fight. It's just like he goes rushing in. He doesn't care how many times he gets hit or how, like, ineffective his, his fight technique. His technique is just to, like, be hit and then hit back. But this time, right. like, he he blocks a punch and, and as you said, he shows restraint and hitting back. Like, it shows someone who it's, it's has some all, skill with fighting. You know what I mean? Right. Almost as though we spent years training as a samurai. It's yeah, weird. exactly. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I really I really enjoyed this. I, I, I'm curious how much of this is Hickman or how much is Silva. Whether, you know, Hickman's like, hey, mm. we need to show him fight like this. Or if he just said, hey have him take care of the farmers and Silva drew it out. You know, I don't, I don't know how much of the Marvel method quote unquote they used here, but either right. way, it, I really enjoyed Wolverine's appearance in yes, this issue. Yes. Um, he has a great moment later on. We'll get to as well. 
Yes. Yeah, very good. Um, and, of course, we get a snick that he comes out of the jungle. And, and so we get to this vault with this big-headed sentinel. And so, Jordan, you got to help me out, man. Um, the original Children of the Vault story, is this... Is there one vault? Are there a bunch of vaults? Um, I'm not the guy to ask, to be honest. Okay. I was kind of hoping Dan can clear it up. (laughs) (laughs) My head went to, I don't know if it's called the vault or it's called the world, but where Phantom X comes from. Yeah, no, and they make a comparison because there's there's a slight difference because they talk about how the world... it has its own kind of time, like time moves differently, but it's all right. about evolution. And inside the vault, it's all about technological growth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I remember there was a Children of the Vault storyline. I don't remember the writer. I'm pretty sure Chris Bacallo was the artist. Oh, I, I could well, be wrong. I got to read that then. I could be wrong. Um, in my memory, that's what it was. And if I'm wrong, I'm sure people are screaming at their headphones. But, um, no, but that just means you can write in and correct me, right? right. Um, but um, so either way, the Seraphina gets into the vault. Wolverine does not. The door shuts, so he has to call Cyclops and tell him what a loser he is. Um, <laughs> but we get this really cool art inside the vault, and Seraphina like goes in. She gets scanned. She's okay, and they decide there might be a threat. So then we go to Krakoa, and Professor X. And Cyclops and Storm and Wolverine are trying to figure out. They want to send a team into the vault. And it's going to be uh, Sink, Darwin, and X-23. Oh, wait. Actually, I'm Wolverine. And I love that moment. So, you know, they're talking about who's going to go on the mission. They're like, oh, X-23, who's like Wolverine. She's like, actually, I am Wolverine. And she's in her yellow and blue not quite the same all-new Wolverine costume, but it's pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. And I, love, ba- I love Logan's like, you tell him, kiddo. Like, he's yeah. on board with it. Yeah, he's totally got her back. I love that interchange. Um, kind of the we are Wolverine. Like, there's no reason for there to be just one. I also feel like it's Hickman kind of just brushing fallen angels under the rug. Just yes. um, great. <laughs> um, it feels like, you know, when Hawkeye had both... Um, uh, both Hawkeyes in there, and they would refer to each other as Hawkeye, and you're like, yeah. yes, this is perfect. That's how this feels. Right. I love it. Um, and, of course, Armor has uh, reserves. She's talking about the risk of the mission. Um, then we get another bit that I think I think Hickman's going to take a page from Claremont. Um, so we know the Wolverine, the new Wolverine series is about to launch, and I think they're actually like setting up Wolverine to maybe be absent from some of the other books. For a little bit, which I think is kind of cool, because you know, back in the old days, <laughs> right you know, before the Wolverine miniseries, like Claremont went through a lot of trouble to like write Wolverine out of Uncanny for like just a little bit, right? Not forever, just for a few issues, but to kind of give him like a jumping-off point into his own series, and I kind of right. feel like that's what Hickman's doing again. Um, I really enjoy that because he's like, "Well, I can't go. I got I got stuff that can't wait." Which, you know, is maybe a little bit of a cop-out, but I think it's just like a nice little editor- editorial nod. Um, oh, I love that. But he's kind of like, hey, you got this, right? And so our, our team's going to go. And here's where I start getting... All right. Not, not quite Before sure we get too on. crazy, I want to yeah. comment because Sync made an appearance in the uh, opening 10-issue uh, miniseries. Like him, him and, and um, 
Skin made a brief appearance during like one of the parties. And we're right. like, oh, awesome, they're back. Um, and there's a there's a medical report about Sink here and how like when he was brought back, they fixed some of his like DNA problems and how they made sure that they brought him back with Skin so that they could be from the same time period and like be together and like support each other. Um, remember in New Mutants where we had like the different like camps of the different teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, refers to that. So I thought that was fun. And I also love that his costume is reminiscent of his Gen X costume. Yeah, it really is. It's got like the, the red theme with the gold. So I thought that was lovely. It was a good touch. Yeah. And they like the uh the forearm guards instead of yes. shink, like and just yeah. Very reminiscent of kind of the original design but updated. Which is that that's how you do if you're gonna do visual nostalgia, that's how you do it, right? Yeah. You you make it familiar but modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, so then we go back to the vault, and we see, like, this, I don't know, the mother brain or whatever. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of, like, like <laughs> coding. Wait, 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 wait a second. We have a mother brain character in the Marvel Universe for, for the Kree, right? Isn't it? Um, oh yeah, and the uh, supreme intelligence. Yeah, huh? we have that for the Marvel universe. But you went to like thirty years ago, Super Nintendo Mother Brain. That's where your head went. <laughs> Is that from Mega Man? Is that what that's from? That's that. No, that's from Metroid. Oh, Metroid. Yeah, right, right, right. That's what I meant. Sorry, I misspoke. No worries. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. But uh, it means a so great. We have like we have pages of like sequel code up top. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do enjoy the art and the colors. Um, I know it's just kind of people standing around and kneeling and stuff, but um, but I do think that mitts the girl in the middle on uh, the second of those pages. I think verifies that Bacallo probably did this originally because mm-hmm. a girl in a mini skirt with striped leggings, and that's like a Bacallo staple. <laughs> yeah, even the guy on the far left with the like the mutton chops feels very Bacallo ish. Right. And speaking of like video games, this feels like, all right, these are the bosses in the video game that you're going to have to defeat. <laughs> it even kind of has like that sense of like um, a static image or like text rolling across the top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you used to get in old arcade games. Yeah, like, totally. uh, yeah. It's great. <laughs> so uh, the X-Men are going to create a diversion. So Cyclops, Storm, and Armor are going to present a threat to the vault, but not too serious of a threat, just enough to get their attention and get their security. And then they're going to use... Oh, gosh, I already forgot. Um, The technology they stole from the Orcus, the Orcus mm-hmm. uh, satellite thing, to jump through the vault so that our three uh, interlopers can get inside. And they've been warned that, like, time may speed up, they keep talking about a temporal shear and like uh, Wolverine's healing factor should protect her from that. Uh, the colors are really great. They kind of jump in. Oh, sure. Uh, I, the reason they chose this team is because Sync can like keep both their powers so he can stay alive for basically as long as they need to. Right, right. <laughs> which which is funny because like, I feel redundant like earlier right. Right, when they were talking about the mission. Um and then, like, yo, you kind of are redundancy, but you're our backup to make sure it goes well. <laughs> right. 
And I mean, and here we are, Storm looking awesome. Um, that's always a plus. Uh, Cyclops looks awesome. Armor looks awesome. Like, I love how, she, like, her big armor in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our, our heroes go in, but they're detected. Um, and we get a oh shit from um, one of the bald guys. Uh, I think that's Sink. Um, as they're kind of attacked by this, like, I don't know, I guess malware <laughs> protection inside Basically, the vault. yeah. Because they're a foreign virus. And then much later, we find out three months, five days, and some change. So our best guess is our, our X-Men have been in there about 500 years. And Cyclops is like, we can kind of go back to the beginning. Where he's like, oh, crap, what have I done? Um, so, Yeah. Gorgeous looking book. Yeah, easily. And some great character moments. I think the plot, I'm going to have to wait and see where it goes mm-hmm. <laughs> before I really know whether it's good or not. <laughs> but but the writing just in the like in the dialogue is spot on. Um, Spectacular. I mean, this is yeah. obviously a part one of part, I don't know, three sort of right. story happening here. But part one was engaging, great character moments gorgeous just like hickman you keep waiting for it i'm not waiting for it but you wonder is he, is he gonna falter not yet no not yet i think i think maybe the only thing is like you kind of wonder okay well the way he's going are we gonna find out what happens like in three issues four issues eight issues like how, you know right. how long this kind of be on the back burner but um because it seems to be starting a lot of Plots and instead of doing subplots that like run in the background of issues, he's like doing almost like rotating chapters, which yeah is, is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a very different kind of way to do a comic series. So I'm I don't know. I'm very intrigued by it for sure. Me too. Me too. I mean, anytime we can get this art team on anything, especially gosh, they're, they're perfect so for like the weird environment of the vault and all the colors, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh. I remember we had that opening uh, miniseries of how gorgeous they were. They're just on. They're they're on it again here. Yeah. No, it's it's a fantastic looking book, and even the part of the plot that I'm kind of I don't really know, or it's kind of a head scratcher. I'm still interested. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it does its job there. Um, hmm. What do you want to What do you want to give X Men number five? I think I'm going to give this a 6 out of 6. Like, this was top-notch stuff. Yeah, I'm right between, like, a high 5 and a low 6. Um, I think just for Laura and Logan both agreeing they're both Wolverine, <laughs> I think it's going <laughs> to knock it up to that 6 out of 6 claws for me. Um, plus, I don't know, how can, how can you give this art anything less? <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so like delicious looking, right? Yeah, yeah, it looks looks fantastic. Um, we okay. didn't have I any any did, uh... exact feedback from Dan on this one. I I do know that he he also thought this was a great issue, but we didn't have anything specific. Uh, okay, for this. yeah, I was trying to scan through our. We talked about a lot of other stuff after he commented. So I'm yeah. trying to like scan back to his actual notes here. Hold on. Um. 
Oh, yeah. He said uh, art was top-notch. The Wolverine moment was everything. Loved the plan and seeing those three together. Right. So, yep. I, I agree with all that. I'm going to assume he gave it six out of six as well. Yeah. <laughs> we we love Sync so much. Uh, so just having him back in, in like, even a little bite-sized moment is wonderful for us. So, hey. Um, hey. Do you think... I don't know how you would tell with these characters in particular necessarily. So I guess maybe it's a dumb question. But I was going to ask, do you think they'll use this experience to have them come out like different ages or... But I guess like Laura's not going to age. I mean, she could, in theory, go 500 years and not look much different. <laughs> right. And Darwin's kind of the same thing. And if Sink's sinking on their powers... You kind of have the same effect, so I wouldn't be surprised if these three end up all dying uh, throughout the storyline and are brought back without these memories. Like someone makes possibly. it through, barely. Charles gets all the information he needs. They die, and then he they bring them back one generation before, so they don't have to remember all the the uh, five hundred yeah. years they had to go through. Could be, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Um, let's move on to Marauders number seven. Yeah, Marauders number seven. Give me a second. I'm opening it up. All right. Marauders number seven. Writer Jerry Duggan. Artist Stefano Caselli. Color artist Edgar Delgado. Letterer VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo. Design Tom Muller and cover by Russell Darderman and Matthew Wilson. And on this cover, so good, uh, Callisto uh, with eye patch in all white, holding up some fighting knives. Uh, and on the reflection of the knives are Pyro and uh, Bishop. And if there is one cover that's going to um, rival the previous X Men cover, it's this one. Yeah, no, it's, it's really nice. I like it quite a bit. This, in, in all uh, fairness, I read seven before I read six. I, didn't, <laughs> I skipped it by, not that it, you, you need to, but I read this and I was like, wow, this was a surprise to have this happen. But uh, this was, uh, <laughs> spoilers, loved it. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And I love the Callisto's here. They're like, oh, yeah, they're bringing everyone in and they have so much fun. And they even have a, a throwback to the Morrison run, which was uh, kind of fun as well. Yeah, but uh, we start off with some uh, text messaging from you know about uh, Katie Pride and blah 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 blah, uh, and then we get uh, very different artwork uh, than what we had previously on Marauders, and I don't think it's bad. It was just kind of jarring uh, to to run into here. Right. So Callisto arrives on uh, Emma's island, and Emma is in lingerie because why not? I mean, if I had right. that body, that's what I would do. <laughs> and uh, she has a mutant um, clothing designer, like trying, like making clothes for her. And that's that's the throwback to the Morrison run, because this is the uh, the designer who was killed uh, early on in his run, and who um, uh, Kid Omega got all upset about and went like very Nazi after this guy died. But they brought him back, and they're using him. It's like this is the perfect kind of nostalgia. They, they bring him back for a little moment. He's 
purposeful and he's gone, you know? It's like right. a nice little chunk. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But he's designed some clothes for Emma and uh, they've designed some clothes for Callisto. And, uh, but she makes her own adjustments to it. And this, <laughs> this designer loves it. Like This is a great panel of him react- reacting like, oh my god, this is gorgeous. Right. And in payment, he gets a knife from Callisto. And Emma's like, I need you to work for me. And it's 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 like a fun... These like rivals coming together is, is, is like maybe the funnest part of this book. So that happens. Uh, the Martyrs come back um, without Kate. Iceman shows up to give his, his, I guess, kind of boyfriend, Emma's uh, younger brother, a kiss. Callista's there to meet them. She throws a knife at, at, at Storm, who catches it, <laughs> which is so, it's like, and then they give each other a hug. It's, it's sort of like, like sibling rivalry, but like so fun. Right. And I love Pyro's reaction here. Yeah. They just, they just whip knives at each other's faces. No wonder the brother of evil mutants never finished off the X-Men. Like, <laughs> So fun. And then we cut to the little kids just being brats about whatever. I don't care. Um, uh, then we cut to uh, a portal where we have some soldiers standing outside. A grenade goes through, uh, knocks some sort of unconscious. Bishop goes through and just takes out a bunch of dudes. Then he takes out um, one of the agents from the little Hellfire Club, and we get some information. Like that, that like the the Teen Hellfire Club is the least interesting thing about this book for me. <laughs> Does this show in my review where I don't talk about them at all? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Then we we cut to um a golf course where Callisto pops out to talk to oh boy. What's his name? I'm bad. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, the X Men. Screw the X Men. She's like, nah, we can we can use them, and it's. It's like another fun little moment of, of nostalgia here. Uh, I loved it. Uh, then we cut to the council with some fun dialogue. And, and I love uh, Sinister's reaction here. Like, he's not featured a lot in a lot of these books. But just this one panel of him being, like, uppity and, like, frustrated is really delightful. Right. Um, and at the end of the book, we see that two people are fishing. And they fish out Lockheed. And it's like, next, what's going to happen? Uh, the end. Like I kind of rushed through this uh, a lot, um, but uh, I I kind of agree with Dan. The artwork isn't quite as good as uh, issue six. It's not terrible, right. but it's not quite as good. But the character is still there. The fun is still there. The moments with Callisto and Emma and Callisto and Storm were like perfect. It was. Right. If you're gonna have a fill an artist issue, this is probably the best you're gonna get. Yeah, and um, you know, Bishop's gonna try to figure out what happened to to Kate mm-hmm. Pride. Um, and he's kind of taken upon. I like the idea that he's like, well, she chose me to be like her, her bishop. <laughs> Bishops are bishop, so he's got to like <laughs> protect her, figure out what's going on with her. So um, then we you know we still have the the uh, you know kind of the uh, the the drama at the inner council. Or the sorry, the Quiet Council, and Sebastian's all smug because you know Emma's missing a seat, and he's going to try to fill it himself. Um, it's very, very interesting. And he talked about having a third seat. So is he eventually going to try to knock Emma off as well? Is that his probably his long game? Um, so yeah, very, very, very interesting. Um, I love. There's a moment where Emma and Callisto are talking, and Emma says. A new day has dawned. Their reign must be over. 
And Callista says, I know some decent humans. And Emma says, I was referring, referring to the males of both species. <laughs> right. It's our turn, darling. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. The art is definitely different, but it's solid. I mean, yeah. it's, it's maybe not quite as expressive or interesting as Wally, but I like, I mean, I, I like Caselli in general. He's done some like Avengers and Spider-Man stuff in the past, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it definitely, it works. Um, Sorry for that truck who's at 7 p.m. <laughs> is storing down my street. <laughs> No problem. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the book is fine. I, like, there's some good, good. It's not as good as it could be, uh, but uh, def, better than serviceable. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably give it a, um, like in a high four, low five. Yeah, that's where I am as well. Um. I think just to distinguish it from six, I'll probably do four out of six claws, but but it's really close to a five for me. Yeah, it's like I said, if you have to have a fill in, this isn't this isn't bad at all. Uh-uh. Nope. I mean, it moves the plot along. I think the only thing that was maybe like kind of weird is like, what's well, the whole the whole issue where Kate's just kind of sitting underwater? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> we we find out what happened to Lockheed at the end and know if Bishop's looking for her, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll I guess we'll find out next time. Uh, <laughs> I mean I love Kate. Um uh I mean she was awful in gold, but they've done you know, they they've sort of brought her back. But yeah. it was nice nice to just have Callisto and Emma sort of highlighted here. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, dude, this is a good one. Another good one. Another good one. Um, speaking of good ones, uh, X-Men plus Fantastic Four number one. Hmm, this could get tenuous. <laughs> okay, let, let's see. Um, all right. Um, The Impossible Boy, chapter one, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky, pencils by Terry Dodson, inks by Rachel Dodson, uh, ink assist by Dexter Vines and Carl Story. That may explain some stuff. I don't think I caught that when I first read the book. Um, colors by Laura Martin and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the Dotsons do the cover. Um, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's very Dotson-esque. Yeah. Um, I actually got the Mark Brooks uh, variant cover when I picked this up. Oh, yeah? Um, What's that? What's that look like? Uh, you know, it's like Mark Brooks. Um, <laughs> it's, got, uh, it's got Sue Storm in the front, kind of running at the camera, and then behind her is a giant Doctor Doom, and then between her and Doctor Doom is Franklin, Magneto, Beast, Xavier, and Storm. Okay. And, and all is kind of in various action poses. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's not Brooks' best. <laughs> but, so- I mean... Okay. Well, I have kind of a question before we really get into this. It yeah. was sort of hinted at during the opening miniseries that the costumes were, were considered like mutant uh, fashion. And then, you know, kind of the the mutants could wear whatever sort of costume they felt like wearing. Um, and I don't know if that was just to allow for artists to choose whatever costume they felt like using for each character. Right. But throughout this issue, we see characters who have just appeared in other issues wearing 
very different costumes, and it felt kind of jarring to me uh, in that it was like a, a lack of character growth came with reverting back to older costumes. Do you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah I think specifically with uh, Kate, who I still want to call Kitty, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, just on this cover, we have Kate in that old shadow cat costume, but we also have Storm in an older costume as well. You know, it felt like, where are they pulling this from? This is, we, <laughs> we just saw her and she was not looking like this at all. Well, um, Let's see here. Let that see. might be me just being too like nitpicky, but I, it just came to my mind like. Hmm. Well, the, the storm costume on the inside is pretty similar to what she's been wearing, right? Uh, I, the I, black with yellow trim. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to, to get there, but uh, okay. It was it was just the <laughs> the cover reminded me like oh yeah, there's a lot of differences going on in, in right, this book. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're they're all over the place because Magneto is wearing his old like. Issue 200 costume inside, mm-hmm. like, yeah. No, there's, there's Scott's definitely, in his, so. like, X-Factor costume. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they all had a uh, an 80s party they were going to. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's canon now. That explains it to me. Yeah, heck, canon. All right. So, basically, the gist of this story, um, which, by the way, before we... So I was happy to see Zdarsky back riding the FF. I loved his Marvel 2 and 1. Yeah. And it brought them back into the universe. Um, so I was excited about that. But basically we have a story where, where Franklin's powers we know have been on the decline. And dear old daddy can't quite figure them out. Um, and then we have Professor X and Magneto have decided that Franklin needs to come to Krakoa. You know, no matter what. And they want Kate to go talk to him because they have a previous relationship. And she's kind of like, well, I don't know if it's right for me to do that. But, I, yeah, I guess he should be here because she made that cool little water sculpture thing. So, you know, yeah, I'm down. I'll go. And Magneto's like, excellent, <laughs> with his George <laughs> Burns hands. Um <laughs> And then she goes and gives some uh, beer to Wolverine, who's hanging out in his treehouse. He's like, awesome, thanks, man. Um, yeah, and I love he calls it Canadian healthcare. Canadian, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, he kind of gives, I guess, an interesting take on Kitty's kind of maybe hesitance and kind of says, well, hey, you were only 13 when you came barging into our lives, so... I mean, he can come, right? <laughs> I guess you remember, you remember when she first showed up at the mansion? Was the day like Professor X is like, yes, come on this day, knowing full well it was the funeral for Jean Grey. That's the day he <laughs> asked her to show up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if, if anything, this, this book is going to remind us is that Professor X and Reed Richards are both a couple of dicks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, so Franklin's kind of getting not suspicious because he trusts his dad. He maybe wonders if his dad subconsciously is not doing everything he can. Like, like he don't, he doesn't think he'd do it on purpose. He just wonders if maybe you know his dad feels better if he doesn't have all his powers all the time or something. So here's uh, a question: Is mm-hmm. like this is a moral conundrum because if your son can like change reality in a similar way that Scarlet Witch could 
would mm-hmm. it be better? Would it be more responsible for the, like the multiverse that he's loses his powers so that can never be used in a wrong way, or is it morally right to like make sure he keeps his powers and teach him to use it correctly? You know, that's a that's a tough choice to make. That is a tough choice to make, and I think it makes sense that Franklin would question that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that he'd kind of be like, well. Can Dad really? Can the smartest man in the universe really not figure this out, or does he not want to figure this out? Right. Um, then we get this interesting like God power thing, which I thought was kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Like the, that, all the Fantastic Four powers come from this like external, interdimensional source. Which you know, whatever. Um, I like that Sue tries to like you know, kind of play peacekeeper between Franklin and Reed. I really enjoyed uh-huh. that part. Um, <laughs> I like Franklin and his uncle, uncle Ben hanging out. Um, totally. Yeah. That was a really nice scene. And then, you know, Johnny shows up and, Hey, we have visitors and they're kind of ugly. <laughs> and we transition right to Wolverine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and Sue has, I thought had trapped the X-Men inside a bubble. But she's only trapped herself. Yes, yeah. Inside a bubble, and not even the door, according to the art. So I'm not real sure what she's trying to do there. Um, you get the impression from Wolverine that she's keeping them out, but the art doesn't show that. It's, um, the artwork for me, you know, however you feel about the Dodsons, the artwork for me uh, in this book is it's it's hot and cold. It works, and then it, it doesn't does. work. Right? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that some more in a minute. But, um, yeah, so basically, um, you know, we have Wolverine, Storm, Pyro, Iceman, and Bishop have come to, to talk. And then Xavier on his hover disc and Magneto show up. And Reed's like, you're here for our son. And, oh, one you know, second. Hold okay. on a second. Room service. So a little behind the scenes. You know, that was the shortest strippergram I've ever heard of. <laughs> you know, you can, uh, maybe you don't know. You can you can order food online now, like via apps like Grubhub yeah. and DoorDash. So I ordered some delivery, and you can pick what time you want it to arrive. And I decided I thought it would be good for it to come at eight fifteen because that's probably <laughs> around the time we'd finish. It's seven twenty-five right now. Wow! All right. <laughs> Normally it comes early. I'm good. This time, <laughs> I I thought this might happen, but I did it anyway just to see. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have some cold Chinese after this. It's gonna be great. Yeah, awesome. Hmm, that's man, you're. Your food and beverage choices are making me very envious tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, Kate is in her old X-Men costume, but while the adults are arguing, she sees Franklin, Franklin sees her, he's like, Kitty! And they hug. But, um, you know, Reed's like, okay, let's try to talk about this. So he invites, you know, the mutants in. And basically, they talk about whether it's okay for Franklin to go to Krakoa or not. And Reed's like, no, obviously not. 
And then Sue is like, definitely not. You know, our, this, Franklin's best place for him to be is with his family. Mm. And well, I, we can talk about in a minute who who we think is right or if anybody's right. Um, but they argue some more. He puts Magneto in a bubble, um, which I thought was really funny. Yeah, this is funny. Everyone's trying to de-escalate while escalating at the same time. Um, you know, Xavier threatens to mentally manipulate everybody. And at this point, Franklin's like, these guys suck. And Kenny's like, yeah, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> I like how the Fantastic Four at this location have like a store sign. <laughs> yes. That, like hangs over their door. Um, yeah. You imagine when the door opens, there's a bell right above it that like rings. <laughs> right. So I, and there's any, and there's anything that I'm very on the fence about is Dawn of X Storm. I love seeing her be more important. Mm-hmm. I love seeing her powers. I generally like her Marauders. In the other books, she sometimes seems a little out of character for me. Um, here she argues that, you know, because mutants have been persecuted, Franklin needs to come to this new safe place, and Ben calls it a new Genosha, which I thought was kind of mean. Yeah. But, but not entirely. No, I mean that jumped in my head the first time I heard too. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're doing this again. Island right, again. Right. You're gonna paint a big target on yourselves. Um, why should I send my nephew there? Um, and you know, I I actually really really enjoy Kenny and Franklin, kind of the only two reasonable characters in this whole comic. Right. Because um, Frank is like, like the the. Oh, Spider-Man met Daredevil, and they thought each other was the bad guy, so they fought, even though they've known each other for ten years. And then they realized, right. oh, it was a different villain. <laughs> but Franklin's like genuinely like, oh, I don't, I don't really know what I should do. And Kate's like, well, I know I'm supposed to recruit you, but I'm going to support you whatever you do. Like, if you want to come, we'd be happy to have you. If you don't want to come, I don't want anybody to force you. I do what you think right. is best for you. And that's. She's just a really, really good friend in this scene, and I really enjoyed it. Right. Um, and they talk about how they miss each other. Then, of course, uh, Franklin starts. He sees the gate, and Johnny Storm swoops in and tries to put a flame barrier, and then Storm blows him away with wind. And then, you know, our X-Men jump into the fray. They're ready to go. Um, I love that Wolverine is charging in. By the way, claws out a little different than maybe we just saw in X Men, right. but um, but <laughs> he literally gets popped into a rubber band by uh, Mister Fantastic. <laughs> uh, the thing punches up an ice slide. Like this fight is maybe unnecessary, but it's pretty fun. Sure. Uh, you know, Bishop and Pyro get get caught in an invisible bubble. Uh, Sue holds her own against Magneto and Xavier, which I love because I. Sure. Love really, really strong sea storm. Um, and she's like, stay away from my family. And then Reed and Xavier argue some more. Franklin decides, you know what? Screw all this. I'm going to run. He runs for the gate. And here's where things get weird because he runs through the gate and doesn't go anywhere. And everyone's like, huh? And that's where we find out, oh, daddy put some nanites in you. So, you know, in case you ever decided to go to Krakoa, you couldn't because he thought you might want to. 
Right. And, th- at this point, Franklin, I think, pretty justifiably storms off. Sure. Um, and Professor X is like, well, I, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just kind of let this play itself out. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you later. Yeah. And so they go back. I just had the thought, and I think other people must have had this thought before, but Sue Storm originally was called the Invisible Girl, right? Her first powers weren't even like uh, like the barriers. It was she could turn invisible. Right. Like, they all had these amazing powers. Isn't it hilarious? Like, the one woman on the team, when they originally formed, was like, wouldn't it be great if women would just, like, not be around when the men had to talk? And that's the power (laughs) they gave her. In the sixties, like, yeah, these women—they want too much. Let's. Wouldn't it be great if they were just invisible? Yeah, it would be really great, wouldn't it? Let's make that her power. Anyway. Right. <laughs> oh, Stan the man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I—I I mean, obviously, her character's come a long way, and yes. the, Dar- the Darsky gets her. Like, she's probably. I mean, besides the Kitty Franklin relationship, she's probably my favorite part of this issue. Oh. Um, but yeah, so. And then Franklin's in his room talking to his sister Val, and she's like, you know what? Let's be rebellious. And so they stow away on the Marauder. And Kate's like, oh, well, we're not really going to Krako. We got to go save some other mutants first. And they're like, okay, cool. But I guess it turns out those mutants might be in Latveria, maybe? Right. Because <laughs> Dr. Doom shows up and he's not happy to see them. And Franklin's like, oh, boy. <laughs> So I'm with you. Art is up and down. Um, where it works, it works really well. I think where it doesn't work is it just gets it gets really sloppy in places. Yeah. Like, and I. So, on the one hand, I appreciate the Dotsons kind of toning down some of their Dotson-esque qualities, like the sexualness of all the yeah. characters. Yeah. Right. So I think going sketchy is maybe a plus, but I think sometimes it just goes too too messy sketchy. Like just doesn't look clean or or clear storytelling. And that's where that's where it kind of loses me a little bit. But then there's some parts where there's really good facial expressions and the art's really expressive and it works really well. So it's kinda up and down on the art. Yeah. Then when I then looking back and realizing there's like a bunch of different inkers could have could play into that, right? Obviously, right, right. Um, so that could be a big part. But let, um, and there's a lot of places where like Sue Storm makes really great faces. Yes. You know, okay, that's great. But then like, like when Wolverine first shows up, like, he, yeah, I've seen I've seen them draw a really good Wolverine. Not in this issue. Um, not at all. <laughs> no, there's in Storm but, as well. There's she's not drawn that great. And where where um the thing is like. A new Genosha, and you look at her, and her face is like warped. It almost looks Asian. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it does. Yeah. It's not. We, you know, the Dodsons. They did the. Um, uh, was it Mister and Mrs. X, or did they do Rogue and Gambit, where they had the the miniseries? And they did the covers. They didn't do the right. art, did they? I think they did the inside art for one of those. Um, and it was always. Uh, okay. It was like super sexual. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. For those, so at least you know. I was kind of half expecting Kitty to be like all tits and ass, but uh, <laughs> at least it wasn't that, you know. Right. Yeah. No. I, I thought. I thought. 
all the characters. There's nothing like disrespectful in the art at all. It just mm-hmm. got a little, just got a little ugly in places. Um, yeah. yeah, but if that's the trade-off, I guess you know, <laughs> it, you know, I guess you pick your poison. Maybe I don't sure, know. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but um, I think what I like a lot about this story and Zdarsky writing it is there's really no one is necessarily 100% right. Um, and and part of the whole thing that Hickman's doing that I think Zdarsky plays into is just how gray all the morals of Don of X is. Um, you know, because Hickman's really played into, like, instead of worrying about what's right or wrong, or, like, I don't know. It's it's different because it's not like anti-hero or really even changing how heroes behave. It's like when you go up to this stage, everything changes and it's harder to know what's right or wrong. And so yeah. we're still trying to wait and figure out like are are Xavier Magnino's really even the good guys in their own story? Um and and then here you find out like, okay, well, they're not great, but Reed's not great either. Um yeah, I do. So, so what do you think about Franklin's kind of predicament? Like, do you, as far as, because I was trying to decide, like, if my son was a mutant, or like one of my kids was a mutant, and Krakow was a real thing, like, would it be better for them to be with their family, or would it be better for them to be with, quote unquote, their people? And I think it's different because the Fantastic Four, and they even say this in the story, they're not just like a suburban family, right? I mean, Franklin can be protected by his family because it's the Fantastic Freaking Four. Sure. But, um, so I don't think it's like necessary that he goes to Krakoa. I think there's definitely some kind of ulterior motive that Magneto and Xavier have for wanting him to be there. Sure. Um, the giant powerhouse of a, of a mutant. Right, <laughs> right, an omega level mutant, as they say. Um, right. So, I, I, but I really just enjoyed the dynamic of kind of, well, I don't, no one's really in the right here, and that's very, very interesting and intriguing to me. Just sure, how, how great it all is. Um, if you're Franklin Richards, you can come out with powers <clears throat> to turn this into kind of a. A queer analogy, you can come out with powers and still not have to, like, come out as a mutant. You know what I mean? Like, right. my parents are in the Fantastic Four, and now I have powers. It doesn't even have to be, like, a mutant thing. You can just be like, I have powers. And no one's really going to, like, be like, oh, you're a mutant? They'll just be like, oh, you got your powers because your parents have powers. You know what I mean? Right. He's in, He's in like, if you're bisexual, you don't necessarily have to come out, come out, and still kind of live your life. That's the sort of predicament he's in uh right. in, a, in a way and i'm maybe projecting a lot here but it, it feels like he could just be with them and no one would care no one would be like oh that mutant they just be like oh he's just another one of those superpower dudes who live in that building like he right. could just right. exist there without <laughs> any problems he's just the richards mm-hmm. he's just yeah. the richards exactly yeah but i think it's interesting because i think reed kind of pushes his hand right and then he was maybe curious, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when he finds out the daddy, um, you know, kind of made the decision for him and makes him kind of run away, which I think is also it's a great kid runaway story, which those when yeah. told well are always fun. Um, I mean, honestly, 
I think from a writing perspective, Zdarsky hits a home run. I think where this book struggles for me a little bit is that the arts can be lackluster at a lot of places. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe a different art team could have made, I mean, would have made this an easy six for me. I'm not going to be able to give it that because of the art. Um, I hear that. I, I, I like Zdarsky as a writer and as an artist. I feel like he oversells the argument, like the hero's argument a little too much here. Okay. Uh, like I alluded to it before, of like Spider-Man meets Daredevil, and they just fight because, like, right away, Professor X and Mister Fantastic are like <laughs> button heads yeah, instead, okay. of, instead of yeah, like talking for a minute. Yeah. Right. So he oversells that a little bit, but you know, at the same time, he does a really great job in the relationship with Kitty and uh, and uh, uh, Franklin. Like the relationship with Ben and Franklin is great. Um, it's it's not it's. For the most part, really well written, and and as we already talked about, the artwork is is kind of hit or miss here. So, yeah, it kind of it sounds like you're going for like a five out of six. Is is that where you're headed? Yeah, yeah, that's where I am. I think. Um, you know, and as far as you know, I, I agree with you for sure that they do kind of the the heroes jump right into fighting. But there, we also did have that scene in Hawksbox where Xavier already kind of warned. Read that he might come. Oh sure, Franklin eventually. So I think when he shows up, Reed kind of already knows. Like, okay, I know why you're here, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe there's there's a story reason for them to kind of jump into that kind of mm-hmm. immediately anta- antagonistic scenario. But uh, no, I, I it is definitely a trope. I mean, for sure. Sure, I might be a, a level below. I think okay. I'm uh, a strong. I don't know about strong. When I first read it, I was like, oh, this is Dodson art. Yeah. And I never read it this time. And I was like, all right, it's not as bad as I thought. Right. So I'm probably like a four out of six on this. Okay. Um, a four for Fantastic Four. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a great, it, it, it's kind of like a mini series slash event, right? Book. And it doesn't feel right. like a mini series event, uh, you know, like. Uh, manufactured problem for the sake of manufactured problem. Like, it's a real uh, conflict between these two parties. Right. And it isn't trade. It's like, hey, here's the event. Check out next week so we can sell more comics. It feels like a regular story. So I really appreciated that. Um, but, you know, hopefully the Dodsons will step up their game uh, for the next couple issues. And I really hope we'll get the regular costumes because I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. Right. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's going to move us then into X Men number six, which, oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. This was something. Um, X Men number six. uh, We have writer Jonathan Hickman, artist Matteo Bufagni, color artist Sonny Gao. Is it Go? I think it's Go, but I don't know for sure. Letterer, VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Muller, and cover is uh, Lionel Francis Yu and Sonny Go. And, you know, looking at this cover again, I really like this cover. Um, I do too. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, this just is Mystique, Mystique just like, running with guns. It, yeah. It's, it's simple, but, but dynamic and powerful. I think, mm. I think the background color and kind of action blur helps a lot, right? Yeah. Um, also, I mean, it's just—I mean, it, it looks like Mystique. I mean, it looks—it looks right. 
It's, it feels right. Yeah, we've had some pretty good. Uh, you know, this this batch is a pretty good batch of covers here. Yeah. Um. So we have a in in sort of classic Hickman style. We have a lot of flash forwards and and uh, <laughs> back 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 rewinding. Uh, All right. <laughs> flashbacks. Flashbacks is the word. Flashbacks. Out of, out flash of order. Out of yes. order storytelling. Yeah. Um. So we have uh, we have Mystique, and uh, we have every time I get on here, my name the names just like disappear out of my head. <laughs> every time. Mystique and Destiny. Destiny. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Mister Mister uh, Fabulous and the uh, Invisible Person. Um, <laughs> you know that's that's where my head is right now. Uh, so Destiny and Mystique are talking. And Destiny's like, I have something to tell you. It's going to sound crazy, but you got to remember this. And then we uh, go to now, and we're back out in space, and we see the humans sort of rebuilding um, the forge that was uh, attacked early on in uh, the X-Men book. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were building stuff, and we see someone's working on something special, and it's delivered to someone else, uh, to the scientist who's, whose husband uh, died uh, during the attack. And then we cut back to uh, right before the attack where Professor is telling Mystique, like, you got to go on this mission. Like, you owe us. And if you do something for us, then we'll do something for you. And they've asked her to plant a seed onto the forge. So uh, then we get a flash forward, but one that's still in the past during the mission. And we see that she has planted the, the flower, so that there will be a portal. Uh, then we see the panels where she was killed during the mission. And see she... Uh, is sucked out into space, and right before she dies, she, she cries, thinking of Irene, uh, you know, her destiny, her wife. Um, and then we go forward, but it's still back in time to when she's resurrected, and um, Professor X and Magneto are like, thank you for being on the mission, but we don't have all your memories, because you died, so we don't know if you definitely did plant the, the flower, so we need to go back in there and confirm what's going on. So she goes in, um, I love that when she goes back in again, the color palette totally changes where she's in blue and everything else is in black and white. Yes, I thought that was brilliant. Yep. And we see that it was her who was delivering stuff. Um, and she was about to uh, kill the scientist. But right before, she she finds out that the scientist was creating Nimrod. And uh, Magneto was like, why didn't you take care of it? And she's like, I'm not allowed to kill humans. And he's like, well, that rule doesn't necessarily apply to you. Uh, you should have done this. <laughs> and she's like, I won't until you bring her back. And uh, she says, I want my wife back. And it's, you know, they've, I don't know previously if they've been this explicit about it. but I don't think feels, so. Yeah, this is really great in being like, that's who she considers to be her wife. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they didn't get married on, on panel anytime previously. But she's like, I want my wife back. And like, no, you gotta, you owe us more. Um, and it's 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 a perfect conflict here because Charles, like neither Charles nor Mystique, trust each other. There's some great dialogue, um, and then we go back to Destiny and Mystique talking, and Destiny's like, "When they refuse to bring me back, just burn that mother down." Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we cut to now, and she's like looking at Mystique's uh, Destiny's costume, just basically like, "Yeah, I'm ready to burn this down." And this is. I really enjoyed the artwork here. It's very different than what we've seen before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little more subdued, but I like uh, the tech work here is, is superb. Uh, 
all the technology. Yeah. And the emotion on all the characters' faces. I love when Mystique uh, transforms. We see like half of her face is one thing and half of her face is something uh-huh. else. Mm-hmm. Um, the character moments are like delicious and the fight, like the not infighting, but the conflict feels true and honest. And this was like we were waiting for this to come, right? We read the miniseries and we're like, yep, yeah, Mystique eventually is going to want to bring Destiny back. And finally, she's pushing for it. Uh, so to see these like plots come to a head. In, in a couple of these Hickman issues is, is pretty nice. He's not shying away from this. And, um, you know, this X-Men book, it's, this is something pretty nice. Uh, Jason, uh, what did you think? I love this issue. Um, I'm kind of on Mystique's side. <laughs> like, right. I kind of think, you know, if Magneto and Xavier are going to continue to be this big of a-holes, mm-hmm. I kind of hope Mystique does kind of tear a little bit of tear a little bit of this down um because they're not treating her right and i know that there is that mistrust there but they're definitely like using and manipulating her and kind of kind of unfairly oppressing her in a way um so i'm kind of anxious to see (laughs) you know not necessarily Magneto, because I, I generally like Magneto. I've never been a huge Professor X fan, so I'm kind of <laughs> wait, kind of waiting for him to like get what coming what's coming to him. Um, but Hickman is not man. He's writing such a complex story where the morality of this X Men universe right now is so complicated, um, and it, feel, it just feels very modern and. Like in our current, mm-hmm. like I, I alluded to earlier, just when you, when you get, we're no longer talking about heroes and villains. We're talking about like a geopolitical stage, yes. and what what does right and wrong mean at that point? And the decisions these characters are making are interesting. Um, so uh, the only thing that kind of was weird when we got the reveal at the end, um. The Omega Sentinel, wouldn't she have recognized Mystique even in her... Ch- can't she detect mutants? I have no idea. Okay. I think some uh, maybe someone like Mystique. Uh, I feel like I've read Transforms at like the molecular level. Oh, so okay. It, gotcha. Like, That's right. Tell. I think you're yeah. right. Okay. That sounds familiar. Um, but no, yeah, I agree. The arts is a change of pace from what we've had in these books. I thought it worked superbly for this issue. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, the emotions, the even like the slide, because you don't see much of Xavier's face, right? So all the work you have to do is with his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did a great job, right? Yeah. The, the part with the sly smile after Mystique is resurrected and you see her reflected in his ex and he just kind of is grinning underneath. Mm-hmm. Like, like screw you um <laughs> you know you gotta do what i ask and then even like when they send her through the thing like it could be a trap we don't know what happened after right right left. so you may go and die and we resurrect you all over again but you know i don't know it's, it's amazing that you know in in the, the ff issue we have the quandary of is it right or wrong like a, a very difficult moral quandary to let your son have these powers or not have these powers and here we have the moral quandary of, you know, we promised we'd bring this person back, but bringing this person back may be to the detriment of, like, 
full mutant kind. You know what I mean? Like how well, you weigh what's more yeah. important. I think more than that, I think it's definitely to the detriment of Xavier Magneto's agenda to have a precog. Yeah, right. Like I think they have a very personal reason for not bringing Destiny back. There's more than just like the welfare of Krakoa. I think it's I think it's the welfare of what they're trying to do that they're right. protecting. And I think holding Mystique under their thumb is just kind of an extra they, they almost seem to enjoy like what they're doing yes. to her. Yes. Um, it's almost a sadistic like punishment kind of for her past misdeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that's going to come back and bite them in the ass, right? <laughs> like, right. Like, I, think, I think what this does is really cool is it sets Mystique up to be a pretty big player in Hickman's overall story, right. which I think is really exciting. Um, so I, I love the hell out of this issue. I think this may be the best thing we read this issue, this episode of this stack of books for me. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't, you know, the, the previous X Men issue was also super, super good, a right. uh, very different tone. But yeah. this was like, like nuts and bolts character work. You felt it. You felt the character work in the artwork. It was. Like it was, this was a page turner. I kept like just like yeah. next page, next page, next page. Oh, we're done already. Oh, I'm gonna have to wait like <laughs> six months before you get another issue of this storyline that sucks. But right, <laughs> but you feel that way because the issue's done so well. You might yeah. be right. This might be the best uh, the best issue we read this week. I, you know, I I was maybe kind of yeah yeah. I'm gonna give X Men number five a six, but you know is. Kind of close. I think this is a perfect comic book. Um, not everybody's likable. Like it's not like oh, I love all these characters, but it's just it's so well written, well mm-hmm. drawn, well mm-hmm. colored, um, and just so I'm I'm so invested in what happens next in this story. So yeah, a a, a very um, ecstatic or excited six out of six claws for me on this one. Yeah, this is an easy six. I mean, just yeah. Delicious, and <laughs> unfortunately, Dan hasn't read this one yet. But um, uh, I think oh, he'll like, agree. He'll agree. Yeah. Dan, you you know we're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to take us to our last issue. Um, you can hear more about this on an upcoming episode of Excalibur. Rose, but we're going to talk briefly about Excalibur number seven, which the hunt is on, or. Verse 7, The Unspeakable and The Uneatable. Hmm, I don't know about eh. that. I bet I can eat it. Um, <laughs> written by Teeny Put Howard. Put Jason. Put that on Jason's plate. He's going to eat it. <laughs> um, art by Wilton Santos. <laughs> Inks by Oren Jr. Colors by Eric Arseniega. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. Woo-hoo. And yeah, and designed by Tom Mueller, are covered by Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson. I actually quite enjoy this cover. We have some war wolves running away from our Excalibur team, and we have Jubilee with some great colored fireworks. Uh, we have Gambit jumping in the background, um, Rogue and Richter kind of in the very, very back, and then of course Captain Britain uh, with a Telekinetic French horn. (laughs) 
which I don't even think I noticed until just now. Um, I didn't either. It's I think like I thought the was, alarm. Like a, I thought it was just like pink squiggles, and then I was like, "Wait a second, this is no. like a, it's a little bugle." It's perfect. Thing. Yep, it's okay. it's the horn to to sound the hunt. It's perfect. I didn't notice it until now either. That's that's a great little <laughs> detail. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, um. So we wrapped up our previous storyline, and now, so Brian has this, like, sword of power, and he doesn't want it. And Rogue brings up a very compelling argument that shouldn't you just teach him how to use it? But they're like, no, 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 Richter's going to bury it in a rock like Excalibur, the sword and the stone, because that'll be fun. And then um, she goes to see her brother Jamie. They argue about Apocalypse and who's really in control, um, and then she goes to see Apocalypse and Exodus, and they talk some more, they kind of posture, and then Apocalypse, as a sign of goodwill, gives Cy- or sorry, Captain Britain his magic papers and says, here, you can read these. But by the way, I need a Warwolf head. You remember those guys from back when the Excalibur TV weren't on first came about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go get that for me. And then um, we see uh, Shogo Dragon. Uh, we found out that whenever Jubilee takes him home and he's just a baby, he cries because he wants to be a dragon. So she brings him back here um, to Otherworld and or Avalon and or Camelot. I'm not real sure what all those distinctions are. Me neither. But, um, it's a sign of they, his book. Yeah, but they play fetch with a hawk of ham. <laughs> And then um, Jubilee says, let's go get a drink. Then we get a little uh, history of werewolves and then Pete Wisdom back on Earth. We find out that uh, the werewolves were kept at the London Zoo, but then they were sold uh, to this guy who's Colin Bloodstone. He's part Mm -hmm. of the Bloodstone family. And he's really rich and obnoxious, and but he's going to have a werewolf hunt. And he says, well, I'm not going to sell you these, but if you want to come and win the hunt, you can have them. And so he's got like a horse with flames and a bunch of lion cats from Saga. Yeah, basically, yeah. With. And then um, so our scout team is going to go hunt, um, and they're going to they're gonna do that. Um, and then Gambit goes to save this girl at a park because he just can't help himself, even though he's married <laughs> and he dances in distress. He's like, "Oh yeah!" And um, <laughs> so, but she's a war wolf and she pulls off her skin and tosses it aside. Um, and then uh, Captain Britain beheads it as Gambit kind of falls back, flabbergasted, and Richter and. They also some they get some other skulls. So they got to get all these werewolf skulls, and they're they're working on it. But then Bloodstone's like, "Oh, you're ruining my hunt. I'm going to hunt you instead." And that happened, yeah. To be continued. Um, the art change I thought was fine. The art was fine. I mean, it's it's not great. It's not bad. It's 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 fine. The colors are nice. They pop, I guess. Um, the story's... Fu- I mean, I don't know. This is a very just 
It's, it's definitely three out of six claws for me. Like, I did it. I, I thought it was a little better than the end of the last story arc, but not much. And I just, it just kind of feels like it's floating at sea. Yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> it's like, oh, there was werewolves before. We'll have them again. It, it feels like weird fan service. Uh, right. That no one asked for. Um, it just feels like, as you said, this, this book's just drift with, like, no direction here. Uh, no clue what they're doing. Um, the artwork is whatever. It's um, it was just strange. I don't I don't see the purpose of this book. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Well, we're gonna cover it more in detail next time. But if we thought, oh, like last issue, we thought, oh, finally we're done with the, getting the band together with a dumb what blah 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 storyline. And now it's like, oh, I don't know what we're doing. We're just gonna. This thing happened before. Let's let's do let's do that thing again. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, there, there, yeah. Go ahead. I, I've decided in the whole spectrum of of Don of X or or kind of Hickman's universe, I I'm not real happy with this being the role Apocalypse landed in. Um, I can't say for sure like what I thought that role should be, but kind of old magic guy just doesn't really it's right. not doing it's not doing anything for me it um, hints that the island's coming together and that being important for him and, and like flashbacks to his, his right. first horsemen and i think that's going to happen probably in the x-men book proper uh, right. i think that makes more sense but here it feels like he's just biding his time like the rest of the book just like floating until he, he has a chance right. to go on the main stage you know what i mean right right with his his magic grim grimoire or whatever, sure. whatever that which word is. he gave to her, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll read this later." It feels like so much of this book is like, "Yeah, we'll get to the details later after we've done <laughs> stuff." Even though don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> there are a couple of moments in here that are great. Like anytime, um, uh, shoot, uh, the oldest Braddock is in there. Um, Jamie. Yes, anytime he's in there, it's fun. Uh, antagonistic and like the use of his powers here is kind of fun you know like he disappears into butterflies and reappears and just opens right. a hole for her to fall into to see apocalypse is fun but in any time apocalypse is in the issue you're like okay this is actually a real character but the rest of this was just like blah 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 war wolves blah 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 do you still care that's how i felt about this book right yeah i i have a feeling you're gonna go two out of six am i am i correct in my prediction yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this: um, Ian, stop buying the book. Uh, if that makes it there you <laughs> an go. indicator. Yeah, this is this is not. It's not I mean, terrible. This is not yeah. Fallen Angels or X Force, but it's also like, right. do I really have to? Yeah, well, I mean, this is the book that's making y'all question your whole podcast. So. <laughs> I will say it's 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 amazing that the next issue of the old Excalibur features the Warwolves, and then this this issue oh, also nice. has Warwolves. So somehow God deemed that these 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 plot threads would all come together in our next podcast. So that's well, that's go. gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's our that's our books for the the episode. So. There you go. I think the I think. So all right. So let's um. We haven't we talked about this like way back when. So 
through mostly six or seven issues on everything. What's your uh, what's your Dawn of X ranking currently? Knowing that it's subject to change, right? Because it changes for me, kind of goes up and down on certain things. But what's your current Dawn of X ranking? <clears throat> All right. Uh, I guess there's um, some caveats here. If <laughs> if I can get rid of the Brisson issues uh, <laughs> for New Mutants, then New right. Mutants is number one. Yeah. Uh, with X Men like a half a step behind. Uh, and then um, Marauders behind that. And um, what are the other books we're covering? <laughs> well, not that we're necessarily covering, but you would have Excalibur, X Force, and Fallen Angels after that. Yeah, probably then Excalibur and then X Force, Fallen Angels, whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think that's where, where we are. That's where I am, at least at the no, moment. I, then, then that's the official podcast view, because that's where I am, too. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think obviously, frustrating with New Mutants, that it's literally two different books. Yeah. One that is superbly awesome, and one that is ambivalent at best. <laughs> yeah, at best. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, okay, cool. Well, Georgie, thank you so much for coming on um, and talking some Dawn of X books with me. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about Excaliburs? Yeah, uh, so Dan and I, uh, who unfortunately wasn't able to be here, uh, run Excaliburs. Uh, we had an episode released probably last week. We cover <clears throat> the old Excalibur, uh, Generation X, and uh, Exiles books. And we're also covering the new Excalibur and New Mutants books. One, because it's Excalibur and we're Excalibros, so that makes sense. <laughs> and the, uh, the New Mutants book uh, features um, both uh, Jono and uh, Mondo from Generation X. So we, we cover that um, to an extent as well. Uh, so we alternate old books, new books. We have probably two or three issues every every month, and we've been doing this for a couple of years. And you know, if you feel like you want to read these old old books, and we don't necessarily rate them on like a scale of one to six. It's just sort of rehashing what's happened and, and what that means, and sort of reliving childhood memories uh, in uh, in sort of a uh, uh, critical view. Uh, we'd appreciate you listening to us because we have a lot of fun. We we joke like we joke here. And uh, we just we just cover these old books because we love them, even though we're coming into a patch where we don't necessarily love <laughs> them. Uh, on every podcast, a little rain must fall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can find us if you just search for Excalibros on Google or whatever search engine. We'll, we'll be the first thing to pop up. Yeah, and that's a great show. So. Hopefully, by this point, you've heard them enough on here. You've gone and listened to every episode already. But if you haven't, then what are you waiting for? Um, and Dan, we miss you. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Um, yep, Dan and Ian, it's, it's a shame we didn't have you on tonight. But yeah. uh, uh, well, next know. next time, I will be gone. I will be absent. And you'll have two <laughs> eloquent British people to uh, easily right. fill my shoes. To explain what the French horn is about. <laughs> And why their captain must must, must toot it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, if, if, if Apocalypse was just like, Betsy, put your lips on and blow, baby. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So, more than podcasts ago, Snitch, of course, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snitcast. Facebook shares and retweets are always appreciated. Um, you know, whether it's my episodes or just my random comic talk, either way. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what will be next, but it'll be something fun. And uh, we'll reconvene with some of these guys again pretty soon as well. Uh, the next flashback, we should be getting back to Marvel Comics Presents. Uh, the introduction of Sam Keith to Wolverine. So that'll be interesting. Flashback. Uh, And uh, the last episode uh, was Infinity Gauntlet, which was pretty damn epic. So if you haven't heard that yet, definitely go check it out. But um, yeah, that's going to do it. So again, thank you, Georgie. And um, go listen to us, Scowl Bros. And until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked.